We're in chapter 15 and we finished the first 12 verses. We saw that King Saul, he was supposed to go out and slay Amalek, obliterate them, as it says to wipe out the Zecher of Amalek, which means don't leave a trace, no men, no women, no children, no animals. It also means not taking from the spoil. And we saw in verse nine that Saul did not fulfill the commandment. He left the king alive. He left the best of the sheeps and the goats alive. And then we saw that Hashem tells Shmuel what Saul did. And now Shmuel is going to confront Saul concerning this sin. And remember, Shmuel and Avi, he's the one who sent Saul out on this mission. That was the very first verse of the chapter that Shmuel told Saul, go out and wipe out Amalek. And Saul did not do that. So Shmuel is going to approach Saul and rebuke him for not getting the job done. And that brings us to verse 13. It says like this, Vayavo Shmuel el Shaul. And Shmuel came to Saul. Vayomor el Shaul. And Saul said to him, Baruch Hashem, may you be blessed by the Lord, Hakimoti et devar Hashem. I have fulfilled the word of the Lord. So even before Shmuel can come and rebuke Saul and say something to him, it's Saul who opens up the conversation and says, may you be blessed by the Lord. I have fulfilled the word of the Lord. Which means that since I fulfilled the commandment that you sent me out to do, then you're blessed too. So he's coming out to honor Shmuel saying, I fulfilled the word of the Lord. I have completed the mission you sent me on. And that's why he comes out to Shmuel first to greet him as if to honor him. But Rabbi Kahana has a totally different take of what's going on here. It seems that Saul is just a little bit overzealous here that he runs to Shmuel and says, Baruch Hashem, HaKimoti Hashem. May you be blessed by the Lord. I have fulfilled the word of the Lord. It's like he's a little bit too psyched here. And that's because he's been surprised. He did not expect Shmuel to show up. And he knows he did something wrong. And he has a lot of explaining to do. So he's overzealous in his greeting. He knows that Shmuel sees the sheep and goats running around. And he knows he has a problem now with Shmuel. So he runs out to greet him and to justify himself. And you can just feel that in the verse that he's just over-enthused because he senses he might be in big trouble. And he's so quick to say, I fulfill the word of the Lord. I mean, who asked you? But of course, Shmuel knows the truth. And Shmuel's no friar. And he says in verse 14, Vayomu Shmuel. And Shmuel said, You say you fulfilled the word of the Lord? Then what's that bleeding of the sheep in my ears? And what's that mooing of the oxen I hear? And this is really comical. And Shmuel obviously is mocking Saul. If you fulfill the word of the Lord, there shouldn't be any ox or sheep hanging around. And the Hebrew is funny too. Because when Shmuel says, and what is this bleeding of the sheep? What in Hebrew is ma? But here they have, instead of ma, the word meh. So it sounds like meh kolatzon. And just think of the scenario. Saul is saying, hakimoti devar Hashem. I have fulfilled the word of the Lord. And while he's saying that, you hear in the background, meh. So Shmuel is saying back, oh yeah? You fulfilled the word of the Lord? Then what's that mooing and bleeding I hear? Okay, so now King Saul is going to have to come up with an answer. He's going to have to explain why he did not obliterate Amalek as he was commanded to. So let's see what he says in verse 15. Vayomer Shaul. And Saul said, Amaleki Heviyum. You want to know where these sheeps and cows are from? Well, we brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen. Why did they spare it? Leman zvoch l'ashem elokecha. In order to sacrifice it to the Lord your God. Vetayoter hechramnu. And all the rest, we destroyed it. So Saul has two excuses here. The first excuse is he says, the people did it. That's what he says. They brought it. Not I brought it, or we brought it, but they brought it. Because the people, they spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. It wasn't me. 
It was the Am. It was the people. Now, he's not lying. If you go back to verse 9, it says explicitly in verse 9, which means Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle. So yeah, it's true the people did it, but so did Saul. It says, not just the Am, but most importantly, Saul's supposed to be leading them. You don't blame the people. You don't put it on them. You have to own up to it. And that's the big problem with Saul here. He never really owns up to it. If you sin, then you got to repent. And part of repenting is to owning up to it, to regret it, and say, I'll never do it again. But Saul here is laying it on the people. And we know that if Saul really wanted to, he could have ordered the people to wipe out Amalek entirely like they should have. They listened to him. We saw in the previous chapter in the war against the Philistines, Saul made the people swear that they won't eat anything. And that was a very difficult thing to do. And the verses said over and over, and the people heard the oath and they obeyed the oath. So they listened to Saul and they would have listened to him here too if he had gave them the order. But we already saw in previous verses that Saul wasn't 100% okay on this mitzvah with this commandment to wipe out Amalek. He wasn't totally on board. So how is he going to get the rest of the people on board? If his heart's not in it, their heart's not going to be in it. So it's easy to blame the Am, to blame the nation, but you're the leader, you have to lead. Kind of reminds me when I was learning in the Yeshiva Machon Meir, and I would innocently ask, why don't we build the temple? Why don't we throw out the Arabs? Why don't we do the things we got to do to survive? Especially if it's Jewish law. And some rabbis would answer me, Ha'am lo muchan, the nation isn't ready, the people aren't ready. But the problem with that is you don't wait for the people to be ready. You make them ready. You lead them. That's why the leaders have always been shepherds like Moses and Yaakov and David. And they lead the flocks. So you can't have the tail wagging the dog. You got to lead. Now we see in this verse another excuse Saul is making to Shmuel. Why he did not totally wipe out Amalek. Why he kept alive the king and the best of the flocks and the cattle. What does he say in verse 15? that we spare them in order to sacrifice it to the Lord your God. So we were planning on killing all the animals. But what? We were planning to do it as a sacrifice to Hashem. Wouldn't that be a waste to just kill it? No, we took the best stuff and we want to offer it to the Lord. We didn't keep these animals around for our own enjoyment. It was meant as a sacrifice. Remember, when you sacrifice the animal, you kill it. Now that's a pretty great excuse by Saul. The question is if it's true. I'm not sure Shmuel believes him on that one. And now Shmuel the prophet will respond to Saul's excuses in verse 16. Shmuel el Shaul heref. And Shmuel said to Shaul, heref, which means wait, wait, or, or desist. Or cut it out. And let me tell you what the Lord told me last night. So Shmuel opens up with Herif, and I'll tell you what Hashem told me last night. And the Herif is like we said, stop talking, okay? It's like a director of a movie saying, cut, you're speaking gibberish. And so Shmuel now tells Saul, he wants to tell him the prophecy he received last night. And Saul says, Daber, okay, tell me. And Shmuel says to Saul, even though you see yourself as katan be'enecha, you may see yourself as small in your own eyes. That is, you look at yourself as small. You don't want to overrule the people. You feel you can't assert your authority over the people. Aval, aren't you the head of all the tribes of Israel? And then the verse says, and the Lord appointed you as king over Israel. So Shmuel is saying, you're the king. You have to protest it if you see that people are doing something wrong. You can't say the people made me do it. That's why he says, you're the head of the tribes of Israel. You're the king. You're supposed to guide the people 
and instruct them in the way of Hashem, you were empowered to enforce Hashem's commandment and you should have prevented them from doing what they did. Now, if you recall in the earlier chapters, we saw how humble Saul was and he was chosen in the merit of his humility. We talked a lot about that, but we also noticed that sometimes he was too humble, bordering on lacking self-confidence. We saw someone who needed the approval of his peers. Remember when he was mocked after he was anointed as the king at the beginning, and after being mocked, the verse said, that he kept his peace, he didn't do anything, that he kept silent, and he went home because he didn't feel he had the support. So someone who needs to be liked, that's not really humility anymore. It borders on ego. So it's a fine line, and Shmuel was trying to get Saul to strike that balance. This was not a time to be humble. You have to be willing to go against the tide and fulfill the word of Hashem. So that's what Shmuel means when he says, Hayim katan beinecha. Are you that small in your eyes that you can't protest against this? And of course we know the real problem, that Saul himself was struggling with this mitzvah of wiping out Amalek. So obviously he can't transmit that message to the people going forward. Okay, let's go to the next verse. And Shmuel now will explain to Saul the severity of his sin. Vayomer, and he said, Hashem baderech. And the Lord sent you on a mission. Lech, go, vechramtemit hachetaim. And you shall utterly destroy the sinners at Amalek. Vinilchamtembo. And you shall wage war against them. Ad kalotamotam. Until you completely destroy them. Lama lo shamata bekol Hashem. Why did you not listen to the voice of Hashem? Verse 19, et and you flew upon the spoil, or you pounced upon the spoil, and you did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So it seems here that Shmuel isn't buying it that Saul kept the animals alive in order to offer them as a sacrifice, because he's using the word, you pounced upon the spoil, or you flew upon it. In that word, that's the verb, but the noun, ait, is really the Hebrew word for a vulture. So he's saying, you pounced upon the spoil like a vulture. That doesn't sound like they had lofty intentions with what they wanted to do with the animals that they spared, like Saul was claiming. He says he wants it for a korban, for a sacrifice. Shmuel doesn't seem to think so. I want to relate back to the previous verse, verse 18, where Shmuel says, the Lord sent you on a mission to destroy the chataim, the sinners, the Amalekites. You got to destroy those sinners. Now, why do I bring this up? Because there's a misconception among many, even religious Jews, who want to turn the Torah into something that's always very nice. They want to make it jibe with their liberal outlook. And they say that you're not supposed to hate evil people. You just hate the evil that's in them, but you don't hate them. Or you're not supposed to hate the sinners. You just hate the sin, as if you can really distinguish. Well, Shmuel tells Saul to wipe out the sinners, the sinners, not the sins, because it's the sinners who carry out the sin. You can't hate the sin and not the sinners. And that's why it says in Psalms, and we say this on Kabbalah Shabbat, those who love Hashem hate evil. What do we mean by evil? Rashi says, they hate the practitioners of evil, the ones who do evil. The doers of evil, not just the evil itself. And really, again, how can you distinguish? You can really say about an evil person, I don't hate him, I hate the evil in him. It's really not very practical. Okay, let's get back to the conversation between the prophet Shmuel and King Saul. Shmuel has just chastised Saul. He says, why didn't you listen to the voice of the Lord? Why'd you pounce upon the spoil? And let's see what Saul responds to that. Shaul Shmuel. And Saul said to Shmuel, 
I did listen to the voice of the Lord. And the Radak explains here that Saul is cutting off Shmuel in the middle of his words. He's interrupting him before Shmuel could give over the prophecy. Because Shmuel said to Saul, I'm going to give over a prophecy to you that I heard. And he hasn't gotten to that prophecy yet. He just began with the rebuke. And Shmuel is giving rebuke. He's saying he did not listen to the voice of Hashem. And Saul's saying here in verse 20, Asher shamati Hashem. Yes, I did. I did listen to the voice of Hashem. That is, he's interrupting Shmuel and contradicting him. And Shmuel hasn't even gotten to say what he wants to say yet. And now Saul will continue justifying himself. Asher shamati Hashem. I listened to the voice of the Lord. Ve'elech bederech shalchani Hashem. I did go on the mission that the Lord sent me. And I brought Agag, the king of Amalek, alive. And the rest of the Amalekites, I totally destroyed. So this is the first time the king of Amalek is mentioned. Shmuel had just mentioned the animals. What's that bloating of the sheep and the mooing of the cows? Shaul is the one to volunteer the information that here is Agag, the king of Amalek. He wants to mention it before Shmuel does. But what's he claiming here? How is he justifying himself? So the commentators tell us that he's saying that I'm keeping him alive as a symbol of the victory. Yeah, I didn't slay him, but I didn't release him. And here he is at your mercy to do what you want. Maybe we should do a kind of public execution of the king of Amalek. You know, let's do something schmaltzy. You don't just want to slay him just like that. You know, like Joshua did to the five Amorite kings. He made a public display out of it. He executed them and he hung the five kings on five trees until the evening. We were going to do something like that to the king of Amalek. And of course, most likely, this is just an excuse. Just like the excuse he made that the spoil was saved in order to sacrifice them to Hashem. It sounds like Saul is trying to wiggle out of this, but he's making everything sound like it's L'Shem Shamayim. The spoil is to make a korban. I spared a gag so we can do a Kiddush Hashem. We could sanctify God's name with a public execution. He's trying to attach these noble motives to everything he does. And notice at the end of verse 20, after saying that he brought Agag, the king of Amalek, alive, he says, and the rest of the Amalekites, I totally wiped out. So why does he say that? Why does he say, and the rest I wiped out? And Saul does the same thing a couple of verses ago in verse 15. He says, the people had pity on the oxen and the sheep and the rest we have utterly destroyed as if that makes everything okay. Look, I did the ikar. I did the most important part. Let's not nitpick. I left a little over. But Begadol, in the big picture, I wiped out Amalek. That's what it means when he says, and the rest of Amalek I wiped out. That's what the Malbim says. Wasn't that the Tachlit of the mission? That was the Tachlis, to wipe out Amalek. So more or less I did wipe out Amalek. Oh, kept a few things around. But you know, we'll take care of that later on. So we see again how he's trying to manipulate himself out of this thing. And Saul continues to justify himself in verse 21. Oh, here we go again. And the people took from the spoil. Here we go again with the people. The people took from the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, and the best of all the stuff. So he continues to blame the people as if he has nothing to do with it, as he's not the commander in chief who should be telling them what to do. And he repeats his claim. Why did they take from the spoil? They did it in order to sacrifice to your God in the Gilgal. So Saul turns to his fallback excuse, the people did it. So now Shmuel is going to give a crushing response back to Saul. And he says like this in verse 22, And Shmuel said, Even if your intentions were noble, you wanted to bring the spoil as a sacrifice to Hashem. Does Hashem really have any desire in these burnt offerings and peace offerings you want to bring him? Does he need it? Does he take delight in it? What he wants is What he wants is that you obey him. And now Shmuel will reiterate that point, And he says like this, Hine, after all, Shmuel, to listen to Hashem, 
to obey Hashem, Mizevach Tov. That is a lot better than any sacrifice. Vlakshiv, to listen to Hashem, that is a lot better than Chelev Elim, than the fat of rams. And so in the very abbreviated language of the Bible, Shomer Mizevach Tov, Lakshiv Mechelev Elim, in those few words, we get the same idea. Hashem doesn't want your sacrifices. He wants your compliance. He wants you to obey Him. So don't do Hashem any favors by saying you're going to offer the spoil as a sacrifice and whatever other excuses you come up with. And now in the next verse, verse 23, Shmuel is really going to lay into soul heavy and he says, Ki kesemeri, For rebellion, and you're rebelling, is just like the sin of divination. And divination is a kind of black magic which is forbidden by the Torah. And Shmuel is defining Saul's conduct as rebellion, just like the sin of divination. And your stubbornness and your arrogance is like idolatry and trafim. Trafim were also a type of idols. So Shmuel again is comparing Saul's behavior here, his stubbornness to idolatry. And the word Shmuel is using to describe Saul is stubborn or arrogant because stubbornness really stems from arrogance. When you can't admit the truth, when you can't admit you're wrong, you're being stubborn. A humble person can admit he's wrong. And now he really hits him with the whammy. Yan Hashem. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, Hashem melech. The Lord has rejected you as king. Measure for measure. You rejected the Lord, so the Lord has rejected you. And the commentators all explain why Shmuel is comparing Saul's behavior to idol worship. That's what he's doing here in verse 23. Why? Because in both cases, you're removing your trust from the Almighty and you're seeking other sources. That's what idol worshippers do. Instead of drawing from the Almighty, they draw from these impure sources and they deny God's rule over the universe. And in a way, Saul's doing that too. He's being driven by his own sechel, by his own intellect, and not by the word of God. He's not accepting the yoke of heaven. He's not able to accept the mitzvot. He doesn't agree with the mitzvah. He thinks he knows better. That's a form of avodah because idol worship in Hebrew isn't really idol worship. It's called avodah zarah, foreign worship. Anything foreign from God is idol worship. Anytime you're removing your trust from Hashem and you're trusting in something else, that's foreign. It's a foreign source. It's anything that's not from Hashem, avodah zarah. And so people who worship money, they're also engaged in avodah zarah. It's a foreign worship. Okay, so what's Saul gonna do now? What's gonna be his response? Shmuel's basically laid it all on the line. What he had to say to Saul was pretty brutal. What's going to be Saul's response? And Saul said to Shmuel, I have sinned, for I transgressed the Lord's commandment and your words. So finally, Saul admits that he sinned. The problem is he's got a but. But, but, but. For I feared the people and I listened to their voice. And that's three strikes and you're out. Saul had three chances to just admit he's wrong and own up to it. And this third time here, he almost owned up to it. He said, I have sinned. But then he has to hedge and say, for I feared the people and I listened to them. And so that's not really complete repentance. If you look at the story of King David after the Bathsheba episode, when the prophet chastises him, David says, I have sinned, chatati, and that's the end of it. He doesn't hedge, he doesn't go and explain it and justify it. There's no buts, and King David could have come up with all kinds of excuses, like the Talmud does, that Bathsheba had a get, so she wasn't really married, and Uriahiti, he was a married by Malchut. No, King David didn't fall back on any excuses, but Saul is. He's insisting, he's being stubborn, and instead of just saying chatati, he said, for I fear the people. It's not a good enough confession. And we're going to stop right here. And next week, we'll see what happens in this conversation or this confrontation between King Saul and the prophet Shmuel. We'll see how this discussion ends. And since I don't want to run the shiur too long, we'll stop it right here. Mm-hmm.